Welcome to Playing Big, a podcast about what it means to play big in life and in business, and about changing the world with big ideas and big action. I'm your host, Blaine Fyan, Chief Evangelist here at True Footage, and I'd like to welcome each and every one of you to Playing Big. So good to be back with all of you again this week. This past week has been a whirlwind of travel, of power networking, a little bit of sightseeing, some great food, great Southern food, little sun, little sand, and a little bit of education. I was invited to speak and teach at the National Association of Appraisers ACTS Conference, ACTS, which was held this year in Charleston, South Carolina. It was a more or less week-long event. I wasn't there for the whole week, but they had a bunch of fun events. Participants could uh, opt into like deep sea fishing and a golf outing and sightseeing. And there were a few other very, really cool events. Now the conference itself, I would say fairly typical, a fairly typical industry event with vendors promoting their stuff. There was a couple days of educational offerings, like a, a USPAP CE course taught by the great Josh Wallet. There were classes on understanding the appraisal process better. There were some classes on legal issues taught by some really great people and so on. Now, what gets me excited is to see that these types of events, whether it's the Summit or Valuation Expo or the ACTS Conference or whatever, they, they are starting to include people like me talking and teaching on the business and lifestyle side of things instead always of on the technical side of things. The topic that I was asked to teach on was simply building your appraisal business. Now, one downside, this is maybe a shout out to all of the event coordinators, is I was only given 45 minutes. Most They, they had a very tight schedule and it's not like anybody had any more time other than the eight-hour CE class. But uh, these types of events where people are interested in building their businesses could easily be three and four hour events, uh, not 45 minutes. Nevertheless, I am honored and I was very grateful to have the opportunity. Over the last couple of years, we're starting to see more and more of these events include people like me talking and teaching appraisers how to be better business people and how to hit, you know, build wealth and be more successful and lead better lives as business people instead of just being better technicians in their appraisal business. So of course, with that, I would like to give a huge shout out to Brian Reynolds from the Appraiser e-learning platform and e-learning podcast for inviting me to participate and also for putting on what I would consider to be a really well-organized event. So kudos to the whole team, Teresa Walker and Ben and everybody who helped put it, make an event like that go off on, on what I would say was a really tight, well-managed schedule and of course deliver on all of their promises. Now, with that out of the way, let us get into the topic of this week's show, my friends, which is making the ordinary extraordinary. Now, before we get into my three-phase approach to becoming extraordinary, let's first talk about the difference between ordinary and extraordinary. Now, I know what you're thinking. Blaine, you're saying, Blaine, do you consider yourself extraordinary? Well, in some areas, yes, I do. And I think if you want to be extraordinary, you have to have the mindset that you can be extraordinary. I'm not necessarily saying I'm extraordinary in all areas, but I know what the process is because I've been around extraordinary people. And we're going to talk about what those things are to identify. So when you hear those two words, ordinary and extraordinary, or sometimes how we say it, extraordinary, you likely already have some thoughts brewing in your head about what they mean and what the differences are or what the differences mean. Now, the first idea that I want to express on this topic is that the difference between ordinary and extraordinary is often razor thin. Sometimes when I talk about this topic during coaching calls, and sometimes I will ask people, you know, we're talking about how to build a business that does not rely on extraordinary people. That's usually how this topic comes up. 
But instead, your business should be built on, you'll want to write this one down, all business systems and processes should rely on ordinary people, but the system makes them extraordinary. The systems and the processes, the documented processes that allow you to have average people get the work done if they follow the system. You know, think McDonald's or any one of those types of system, uh, businesses that have, have stellar systems. Forget about the food. Forget about any of that stuff. Just look at the system. Chick-fil-A might be a better example if you like fast food. It's just better food. But they have a killer system. And it allows ordinary people to be extraordinary because of the system. The system they leverage ordinary people. If your system relies on extraordinary people all the time, which might be people like you, we look for people like us, you'll fail 100% of the time. There just aren't enough extraordinary people, but there are enough systems out there that if you leverage, you create and leverage the system, the system can help make ordinary people into extraordinary people. And that's what we want to talk about. So the first thing to note on the top of topic of ordinary to extraordinary, if you prefer, I say it extraordinary. Okay. Because we're going to use that word extra. You'll hear it a lot in this case. The first thing to note on the topic of ordinary to extraordinary is that the difference lies in the extra. There it is. To go from ordinary to extraordinary or extraordinary, not only do you simply need to add the word extra to the word ordinary, but I believe the word is giving us the instructions for how to do it. That's the beauty. The word itself is telling us how to be extraordinary and it's by doing a little extra or a little more than what is required to be ordinary and that's what we're going to talk about. Ordinary, by the way, let's get this definition out of the way. Ordinary means average. No exceptional ability, no exceptional quality, no exceptional degree. It's just average. It's ordinary. It means not particularly good, by the way, if you look in the, in the dictionary. Not particularly good, but just average. And even as I speak those words, you've probably heard me express this before. It's one of my greatest fears. My stomach turns a little bit when I say the words average, ordinary. I've shared on the show before that one of my greatest fears, as well as one of my greatest motivators, we're all motivated by something different, fear of loss or uh, desire to gain. But one of my, the way I'm wired, is I'm motivated by the fear of just being average or leading an average and ordinary, ugh, hate the word, life, and being considered typical and common. And I don't really know why or where it comes from. Quite often, we don't know why. It's somewhere in my childhood, I'm sure. But that's one of my main motivating forces. I know everyone is different in what inspires them and what drives them to be, do, or have the things that they do. That just happens to be my thing. So I've made it something of an, of an area of study, learning that the main difference between ordinary and extraordinary is that something extra was a game changer for me because it helped close the gap in my belief that to be extraordinary, you had to be a Michael Jordan or a Tiger Woods or a Wayne Gretzky or an Elon Musk or a Steve Jobs, and the list is long, right? People who are born more or less extraordinary. They had extraordinary gifts. That's usually what people, when we say, oh, this is an extraordinary person, usually what we're referring to is their extraordinary gifts, whether they be physical or mental or otherwise. And I always thought you had to be born with extraordinary talent or extraordinary physical traits and abilities and extraordinary intelligence. And while all of those people are considered to be extra or extraordinary for their areas of accomplishment, 
The reality is that they just happen to also be game changers in their sport or industry. It's why we talk about them. But there are millions upon millions of people who are extraordinary at what they do. Even if you'll never hear from them, they'll never be in the news, even if they never rise to the level of those names that I mentioned. They're extraordinary because they simply add the extra to the ordinary. And we could call them the quiet extraordinary. They live in the shadows, but they're extraordinary in what they do. So let's talk about the three phases of going from ordinary to extraordinary in any area, because it can be broken down. And as you know, I like to break things down so that they're, they're achievable, not just talk about them. So as with everything in life and business, the first phase of anything lies in how we think. There's always, always a mental component and the mental component is first. So said differently, coming at it from another angle, Everything begins and ends with our mindset, plain and simple. Going from ordinary to extraordinary absolutely requires the wholesale rejection of thoughts, ideas, and mantras that we tell ourselves, reminding us that we're ordinary. That's why at the beginning of the show, when I called myself out in your voice and said, Blaine, do you consider yourself extraordinary? In a way, yes, because I've already come to the point where I reject all of the thoughts and ideas and the mantras and the programming that reminds me that I'm ordinary. When that creeps into my mind, I reject it. I go, nope, not true. The little extra that extraordinary people have that ordinary people tend not to have are the words they hear in their own heads telling them that they are anything but ordinary. Now, do we know people who think they're extraordinary but are ultimately ordinary? Yeah, of course. But it's usually because they're not adding the extra. It's just all ego-based. But the extraordinary or extraordinary transformation process begins by first catching and then rejecting any and all negative thoughts about who you are and what you can accomplish. I said the negative thoughts. It begins with programming your mind. People who are extraordinary have a system that helps them catch the thoughts that when they hear in their, their mind's eye or their mind's voice say, I can't, I'm not good enough, I'm stupid, I'll never make it, you can't do this, this shouldn't be done, nobody's done it before, which is usually a lie, usually a lie or whatever the negative and limiting thoughts they may be hearing in their head, and they immediately transform those into the opposite. That's what extraordinary people do. That's the extra that we add to the ordinary. What do ordinary people do? Normal negative thoughts. I can't do that. That's not for me. Extraordinary? Why not? Why shouldn't I? Who says? There's almost nothing that can't be accomplished with the right mindset. Well, there's almost nothing that can be accomplished with the wrong one. Maybe that's more important. The process of becoming extraordinary starts with the cancellation and then the replacement of ordinary thoughts and ideas, and especially ones that are negative and limiting, which a lot of people have. If I'm talking to leaders, your job as a leader is to help people see, identify first where those limitations begin, the voices they hear in their head, and then help them replace those so that they can accomplish stuff on their own. They don't necessarily need you. So the first step, the first phase is self-talk, uh, identifying and then canceling and replacing ordinary thoughts and ideas, especially the negative and limiting ones, with ones that remind us that we already have within us everything required to be extra ordinary. It's already within us. Now, are there things you can do outside? Can you listen to, to audible books and things like, yeah, absolutely. 
but what you have to learn to do in those cases, there's lots of people who do affirmations. You know, they wake up and they write affirmations. I'm a good person and I'm rich beyond measure and whatever. But if in their subconscious voice, they have something that's always negating all of those things that they're writing out, all those affirmations, they're actually doing themselves more harm than good. Because if you wake up and you're 50 pounds overweight and you tell yourself on your affirmation, I have a slim, happy, healthy body. And then your subconscious goes, no, you don't. You're fat. You don't work out. You eat too much. You're constantly canceling. So part of the extraordinary process is learning to identify that voice that's canceling those things and then replace it. Same thing with a belief system. If you want to get rid of a negative belief system, you have to first identify where that belief system is in you, where maybe it came from, and then you can't just get rid of it. You have to replace it with something more positive and more uplifting, something that is not negative and limiting. Now, one of the best practices that I ever learned and I practice to this day is starting earlier in the morning than ordinary people. So there's always got to be some action. One of the actions is identifying the negative and limiting thoughts, replacing them with more positive ones, extraordinary ones. One of the physical activities is getting up earlier. Now, I'm not saying, by the way, that I'm extraordinary in some way, but simply that I believe I've been able to accomplish more than ordinary or average people and more than I would have been able to accomplish otherwise by thinking a little differently than those around me, and also by doing some of the things that we're going to talk about in the show. And usually it's doing the things that other people don't want to do. Ordinary people don't want to do. One of those things is simply getting up earlier than average people. We hear it all the time from popular YouTubers and podcasters like Jocko Willink and Joe Rogan, David Goggins, people who have amassed incredible success and, and fortunes and have accomplished great things that so much more can be accomplished and programmed into your brain when you get up even one hour earlier than the average person. Said another way, if you want to remain average, sleep in. It's okay. My life won't change. You need that extra hour of sleep? Sleep in. It's okay. Pull the covers up, get comfy, stay in bed. That's, the, that's said the other way. If you want to be extra, Start getting up one hour earlier than average people. Now, please note, I didn't say get up one hour earlier than you're used to getting up, although that is an easy way to ease into it. You're used to getting up at nine in the morning. Get Just get up at eight. Uh, that's a little too easy in my opinion. But if you want to start easing into it, okay. What I said was to be extraordinary, you have to get up earlier than the average person. And there's a reason. The average person wakes up, by the way, between 5 a.m. and 7 a.m. Studies have been done, and they show consistently that the average person wakes up between 5 and 7, 50% of all humans, and they do so most likely because they have to get ready for work. They have a job, J-O-B, which means just over broke. Between 5 and 7 a.m. because they have to. If they had a choice, what would they choose? A good portion of those people would sleep in an hour or two more. I remember those days have been way, way back. I've told many times on this podcast, I don't wake up to an alarm clock. I haven't set an alarm clock in probably 30 years. I just wake up when my body tells me to wake up. And now I get up between, you know, 4 and 4.30 in the morning. It's just when my eyes pop open and then I get up and I start doing stuff. I know most people, if, you have, if you've got a job and you've got to be there by 8, you set your clock for, you know, 6.30, whatever, so you can shower and do your morning routine and whatever. But most people, if they didn't have to, they would sleep in. What do they do on the weekends? For most people, that's what they do. They go, ah, oh, done, Friday, Saturday morning, sleep in, eight, nine, 10, whatever. 
So what that means is that most people are waking up because they have to, not because they force themselves to, because that would be extra. They're being ordinary. Extra would be getting up earlier. If you want to go from ordinary to extraordinary, you simply have to have a morning routine. That's it. And that morning routine must include waking up earlier than the ordinary people, the average person. When the majority of the world is waking up between 5 a.m. and 7 a.m. and doing their own morning routines, which, by the way, for the average person simply means coffee, bathroom routine, scrolling social media, uh, watching the news, breakfast, and then load into the car, off to work, traffic, all of that stuff. And if you wake up an hour before all of them, that additional time in the morning when the rest of the world is silent, I can assure you, is magical time. I can tell you from experience, all the meditators out there, all the people who've built businesses out there will agree with me. You're nodding your heads. Yep. And I can tell you from experience because I started, again, waking up around 4 a.m. to read, write, study, research, and generally just grow as a person. I develop ideas for this podcast at 4 and 5 in the morning. Why? Because I can't do it at 8, 9, 10, and 11 in the morning. That's when the rest of the world is awakened. And there are things that are required of us. You have to get up earlier than the average person. It's the most productive, and it's also the most mentally and emotionally fulfilling time during my day. And I suggest to you that it probably would be for you as well. It's also the time of the day, uh, day, scientifically, when your brain is most open and susceptible to positive input from you and somebody else. So if you pop in a podcast, a positive motivational podcast, early in the morning. You've just come up through a study up on the brainwaves, alpha, beta, theta, delta, and learn where your brainwaves are first thing in the morning when you just wake up. It's most suggestible just as we're going to sleep and just as we get up. So if you want to be extra and go beyond ordinary, your morning routine must also include some sacred time when you are, I call it tilling the mental garden, so to speak. If you do nothing else, with your early morning routine, but speak positively to yourself with affirmations of your innate greatness, that time alone will be extraordinary. Again, those of you who do it, I'm speaking and preaching to the choir, pushing against an open door, so to speak. You already know this. Those of you who don't, that's an extraordinary morning routine. It's an extraordinary habit to be building. Within a very short period of time, you will be worlds ahead of the average ordinary person whose head is filled with negative self-talk and useless mental chatter. I've said many times one of the worst things to happen to humanity is has been social media and the advent and the uh, you know proliferation of of cell phones and things like this. It's a great tool. I love it. I love being able to have you know Google at uh, my my thumbs to be able to search things and learn, but it also has sucked our attention. And attention is one of the most important things that we have as human beings because where you place your attention, your energy follows. Where your attention goes, your energy flows is the same. So phase one of any plan to be extra or extraordinary starts with a disciplined mental routine that includes positive mental seed planting, talking to yourself in positive, uplifting words, encouragement, and waking up earlier than the average ordinary individual. You've got to wake up earlier than everybody else. So phase one of the plan is is first to be extra or extraordinary. Phase two of any plan 
is to do extraordinary things. No, that doesn't mean you have to go skydiving or cliff jumping. Sometimes people hear, do extraordinary things, and they think dangerous or exciting. Now, while I will never discourage anyone from doing exciting things, neither dangerous nor exciting is required to be extraordinary. But doing, now you might find this completely underwhelming when talking about being extraordinary. But doing extraordinary things often simply means sticking to a boring plan over a long period of time. Sticking to a very boring plan over a long period of time. Now, what do I mean? Going from ordinary to extraordinary is sticking to your, say, your New Year's resolution to eat better and get in better shape five years after you initially made that resolution. What do ordinary people do? We already know. Ordinary people, something like 88% of people, have abandoned their New Year's resolution, whatever that may have been, For most people, it's some kind of physical thing, weight loss or getting in shape. They've abandoned it by mid-February or mid-March. Extraordinary people get up each and every morning and they just get after it, even when they don't feel like it. I have three letters that I run through my head every single morning and they're EFD. Every freaking day. Every freaking day, you get up and you get on the exercise bike. Every freaking day, you go out to the garage and you move something heavy and you move your body. Why? Well, because I want to be 100 years old and to be able to ski and do do fun stuff. So you got to protect your joints. You got to move heavy weights around. You got to build some muscle mass. You got to eat right. You, you have to be doing that now. And then you'll be extraordinary because ordinary people won't do that. Ordinary people are sinking into their comfy chair and eating whatever they want whenever they want and gaining those two, three, four, five extra pounds every year. Now, doing extraordinary things does not mean necessarily making the news, being the next Michael Jordan, being fabulously wealthy, or being the best at a particular thing. That's not what extraordinary has to mean. It can mean that, it doesn't have to. Doing extraordinary things simply means keeping your commitments to yourself and other people because the vast majority of people quit things when things get tough, and they get uncomfortable. They quit. That's what ordinary people do. They go, "Mm, this is too much. Because most people are pattern-seeking, human beings are pattern-seeking, and they are comfort-seeking as well. I've always said time is the great equalizer. Being extraordinary often just means still doing it years later, outlasting. Long after everybody else has given up, There's that one man or woman still getting after it consistently. You've seen him in the gym. You've seen him running on the sidewalk. You've seen him doing something. Day in, day out. And one of the habits of extraordinary people, which allows them to be extra, more so than the ordinary, is using some of their early morning routine to plan. Pre-planning to be extraordinary is one of the secrets that's not really a secret. When you wake up an hour earlier than the average person and your brain is clear and filled with messages of positivity and self-encouragement and they're uplifting, that's the time to begin planning out how to be extra or what an extraordinary day, week, month, and year will look like for you. What if you just sat down and wrote out the words, what would an extraordinary day, week, or month be like for me? What would happen? Now, it might sound like a broken record on this one, but if you don't have any goals or aspirations written out, my recommendation is to start there. Like That's the most basic. When you've got something that you're aiming for and, and it's pulling you into a compelling future, it becomes much easier to write out what today, tomorrow, next week, and next month should look like from an activity standpoint 
because your activity should be centered around, centered around where you want to be in three months, six months, 12 months, and 36 months. If you are focused enough to set a five-year and a 10-year, great. But I just tell people, look out three years. Use the traction methodology. Just, you know, three-year picture, one-year plan, 90-day rocks. Because without that vision, every day simply becomes firefighting. You're just putting out fires. Without that vision to be extraordinary, every day simply becomes whomever and whatever needs your attention and energy the most. That's where it goes. Where your attention flows, energy goes. Without that vision, you don't know what to say no to, which is one of the most important traits of the extraordinary. Ordinary people say yes to too many of the wrong things. Extraordinary people are very clear on what gets a yes and what gets a hard no because they have a plan. They have a vision for what their life is going to be. And if you want to be extraordinary, you got to say no a hell of a lot more than you say yes. So phase two is to do extraordinary things and doing extraordinary things simply means to do what ordinary people are unwilling to do. Let's say it like that. Do extraordinary things means doing things that ordinary people are unwilling to do. Ordinary people, so maybe you have to then identify what are ordinary people doing. Ordinary people are typically unwilling to examine their belief systems, one. So if you do the opposite, you're becoming extraordinary. People who sit down and go, what do I believe in? Why do I believe it? You know, most of our belief systems come from a period of time in our childhood where we just took everything for granted and uncritically, we didn't question. Ordinary people don't examine their belief systems. They don't ferret out the bad or the limiting ones and replace them with new, better, uplifting ones. Ordinary people are unwilling to critically question what they're told. Extraordinary people are. Ordinary people are typically unwilling to accept change. They're not. They fight against it. Again, it's that comfort seeking. So that means just do the opposite. Extraordinary people are flexible and resilient and can pivot and will accept change. No problem. It doesn't phase them. Ordinary people are obsessed with their own comfort. We just talked about that. Ordinary people have uh, a fixed mindset instead of a growth mindset which means to be extraordinary, you have to have the growth mindset. Ordinary people play what's called a finite game instead of an infinite game. Simon Sinek, find your why, author, talks about this all the time. Most business people don't know the game that they're in. Most business people are playing a finite game. With a finite game, there are known players, known rules, uh, a known objective, and an end to the game. With an infinite game, there are both known and unknown players. There's people in the shadows. There's NPCs, non-player characters. There are no definite rules. There's no real clear boundaries. And there is no end state. The game never ends. It means it's infinite. The goal of a finite game is to end it. Hopefully to win. The goal of an infinite game is to keep playing it. There's a big difference. Since there's no winner or end, to an infinite game, the main objective is to, I'll use this from the Survivor series, outwit, outplay, and outlast all of the other players. It's called being extraordinary. Ordinary people are inflexible. They're unwilling to pivot. They're unwilling to change when new information is presented. We see this in the appraisal industry right now. So many appraisers just, you know, rending of the garments. Why? Because the world is changing around them and they're unwilling to change. New information is being presented and they're fighting back against it. I feel only slightly bad in saying this, but most people are simply unwilling to be extraordinary, my friends, which means the field of play is wide open for you to be extra. 
And it's not that difficult. You just have to be willing to do what the ordinary people are unwilling to do. So if phase one is to cultivate extraordinary thinking and an extraordinary mindset, phase two is to do extraordinary things. First is to be, then is to do. Phase three is to find and surround yourself with other extraordinary people. Just did a whole podcast on this. Talked about all three of these phases many times before. We just use different language and different context. I can't emphasize this one again enough, my friends. Life is relatively short and our time is limited on this journey. If you're surrounded by the average, the ordinary, and the common in life, that is likely what you will become. For, for many of you, that might be okay. We're not talking about playing mediocre or playing small. We're talking about playing big. Life is short. Why wouldn't you choose to play big? And if you surround yourself with average, ordinary, and common, that is what you will become. Bob Sutton told us this. Wrote a book called The No Asshole Rule. Be careful who you surround yourself with at work because you will become like them. They won't become like you. Now, please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying ordinary or average people are bad people. That's not what I said. I'm not saying that just because your friends don't have the same aspirations or motivations as you or as much drive or as many goals or as much money or whatever it is that you have to get rid of them. Our friends are our friends for a reason. And as long as they bring value to our lives and we bring value to theirs, I should say this about all relationships, by the way, not just our friends, there's no reason to jettison those relationships. It's not what I'm saying. However, on the path to extraordinary, if you're not also intentionally seeking out relationships with people that are also doing and being extra, you will have a very difficult time becoming extra yourself. It's just the way it works. I've talked in prior podcasts about sales and anchors, S-A-I-L-S, sales and anchors, which are the people in your life who either lift us up and make us better or they drag us down and they keep us ordinary or worse, they drag us into bad situations. Now, this might sound like a harsh exercise, but I I recommend taking a sheet of paper and dividing it in half. On the left-hand side of the page, you write down the names of the people who currently lift you up, make you feel better about yourself, push you to be more than you're being, and just generally represent positive influences in your life. What I also recommend you do is maybe at the bottom, list out all the people you would like to be surrounded by, people you'd like to meet, people who fit that category. Now, what I also recommend writing on the other side is the people that are not lifting you up. These are the anchors. So on the left side of the page, you have all the people who lift you up, uh, people who uh, make you feel good about yourself, people who you like to be around for whatever reason that is. And then you have a short list of people that you aspire to meet, to be around, even if for only a short period of time, and to be influenced by. And I strongly suggest you start giving some thought to who that could be. And, and by the way, don't put any limits on it. If you say, I would like to be around Tony Robbins, you know, the, the big guru uh, motivational speaker, great, put it down. For 2,500 bucks, you can go be around him. There's no reason you can't. So give some thought to that. It helps put your focus on other extraordinary people. Remember where your attention goes, energy flows. So if you put your attention on that, eventually your energy goes to that and it, you'll make it happen. Put your focus on other extraordinary people that you want to be more like in some way. And extraordinary energy is contagious. When you get around extraordinary people, the extra part kind of rubs off. Now, unfortunately, negative and downgraded energy is contagious too. And we cannot avoid filling out the right side of that 
page. This is where you've got to write down all the people in your life who make you feel smaller. They bring you down in some way. They make you want to abandon your dreams and desires. They'd rather play it safe and be average and ordinary than take some risks. They'd rather be comfortable than ambitious and or they're simply horrible influences in your life. This side of the page is difficult to write out, not necessarily because of the truly negative people you may put on that side. That's not the tough part. For many of you, that's the easy part. You go, no, those negative people, I've cut them out or I'm ready to. The tough part is all of the names of the people who aren't necessarily negative and drag you down, but they are people in your life who are genuinely good people. They want the best for you and for themselves, but maybe they don't know how to think bigger or be a little extra and they have no interest. These are not necessarily people you cut out of your life. You cut out the negative ones. You cut out the ones you drag you down. Those are the anchors. But you don't necessarily cut out the others. But the benefit of this kind of exercise is that when you see the names on that side of the page, you have now identified an area of your life that you have to be intentional about. Some of those people, we'll call them the good but average or good but ordinary, are simply people that can stay in your life, but you have to limit your time and the type of energy you give to them. Lest you spend too much time, too much coaching and mentoring, and then you're left empty. As I say on almost every show, in some way, time is our most valuable asset, currency, and resource, and it is extremely limited. Life is short, my friends. You have to choose where you're going to invest your focus, who you spend time with, whether or not they will help you, limit you, or harm you, and who gets your energy. The second law of thermodynamics teaches us that energy moves from a high state to a low state, from high energy to low energy, from high temperature to low temperature, from high concentration to low concentration, always. And what this means when it comes to personal relationships is that a higher energy person always gives away their high energy to a lower energy person. Took me a long time to understand this. An extraordinary person will always give their energy away to the ordinary individual, not the other way around. The extraordinary person is not uplifted by the ordinary unless their, their, their goal in life, their mission is to uplift the ordinary or you know raise people up and have an impact. High energy always moves to low energy. If you're trying to put air into a car tire using an air compressor. The air compressor has to have more pounds per square inch of air pressure within the tank than the tire that it's trying to inflate. If the tire, the car tire has 35 35 pounds of air pressure and the compressor only has 32 pounds of air pressure, the tire that you're trying to inflate will actually give off roughly three pounds of its own air pressure. Now it's got a valve on the, on the, the tire valve that won't allow that that air necessarily to equalize. But if it didn't, the tire would actually give its air to the compressor to equalize the difference in those two vessels. And the same is true of humans. Have you ever left a breakfast or a lunch meeting or drinks with your friends and felt drained afterwards because you gave more of yourself than what you got in return? We all have friends like this. It doesn't make them bad people nor does it make them people you can't hang out with. But if it is a pattern that you recognize within that person, the responsibility, my friends, is on you to limit that time lest you give away all of your vital energy during those interactions. There's just some people that that, that's the way it works. 
If you want to be extraordinary, you've got to know how energy works, where your time and your energy is best spent, where you are uplifted and energized the most, and where your value might be in giving to others. Some of those friends, we all have them, are people that we love dearly. They're people we simply know that we're going to have to uplift and pour into. We're going to have to be the compressor filling up the tire. And then if you set your mind and your energy appropriately prior to the meeting, up, you know, talking with them, all is good. It's fine. We just know going into it. This is what's going to be. But then what do you need? Well, you're going to need some recovery time, some meditation time afterwards to recover yourself, your own energy. But it's okay. All is good. I am simply advocating being intentional with your list of people and cultivating a list of people that you consider to be extraordinary and want to be around them more. Going from ordinary to extraordinary is literally just adding the extra, my friends. To recap, phase one is extraordinary thinking and having an extraordinary morning routine. You've got to be intentional about what goes in. Phase two is doing extraordinary things, which essentially means keeping your commitments and doing the little extra. EFD, every freaking day. And phase three is being intentional with the people you surround yourself with and seeking out some extraordinary relationships. Until next week, my friends, I'm out.